Hey everyone, I'm Sierra Combs and I'm the Women's Director here at the River Church. Thanks for checking out one of our messages today. We would love to get connected with you and your family. One easy way to do that is to text River Connect one word, to 97,000, or you can visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and our upcoming events. If you'd like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount you want to give to 84321, or you can visit our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope that you enjoyed the message today. Welcome to the River Church. So glad you are here. If you do have a Bible, Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to be studying this morning. Matthew chapter number 5. We'd love for you to turn there. I'm excited tonight. We have our worship night at our Holly location. We also have our our, uh, ladies dinner, special ladies dinner that we have every year here. Uh, That's coming up in the next couple weeks. So I know Holly Boston heads it up here and she's like, if you let them know, they got to sign up by Tuesday. So I'm, I'm doing that for Holly, right? But uh, just uh, a couple of great events um, that we have going on. So again, Matthew chapter number five. Are you comfortable this morning? You guys know me too well. He's setting me up right now, getting set up. Okay, comfortable. The coffee's all right. You got enough creamers in the coffee. The chair's comfortable. All right. And clothes, we're at a church, we don't have to dress, you know, pretty comfortable clothes. You're feeling comfortable, All right? Hopefully the person sitting behind you has taken a shower in the last 24 hours. That'll help you make, be comfortable. Well, we're going to read a passage of scripture. I think it's going to change all of that. As we feel comfortable, we're going to read this. And if, if you're a follower of Christ, you're going to read this. It may make you a little uncomfortable. And I smile. Because I've been studying this passage all week long. I'm like, great, I get to bring all of you into my uncomfortableness. It's wonderful. So Matthew chapter number 5, verse 38 says this. Have you heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if someone slaps you on the right cheek... Turn him the others also. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, you know, our tunics, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you. And do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. What does this mean, church? What does the Bible call us? If we have been studying Matthew chapter 5. If you're new with us, we're so thankful that you've, you've joined us. But we're in a study of Jesus preaches a sermon. And in Matthew chapter 5, we have the largest, really the largest part of a sermon Jesus preached. It's, it's in these chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7 of Matthew. And so we've been studying chapter 5 for the last couple months. Learning what Jesus said Jesus is saying, those who are kingdom-minded, those who are Christ followers, this is how you're going to live. And he is pointing out that there are fake, phony religious people who say, hey, I'm religious, and they look religious, and they play the religious part, but they don't follow Jesus. They don't follow Jesus with their heart, and their actions are far from him. And so here, Jesus says, you've heard it said Eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. But, I'll, but I want to say, you don't understand what this means. It means something completely different. 
And then Jesus says these crazy things that if someone slaps you, give them your other cheek. If someone sues you, give them more. If someone abuses you and, and, and says, hey, you got to do this, go another mile. Jesus said the stuff that you have, if someone asks, give to them. So what does this mean? For some, some people will read the scripture and the best thing to do with it is just to ignore it. If I ignore it, then I'm okay. But if we're true followers of Jesus, we can't do that. We can't go, you know what, I'm good with this chapter. Nope, we're going to get bad. Nope, this one's good. Nope. If we're true followers of Christ, we study, we rightly divide the word of truth. We study the whole word. And what does this mean? And so we could ignore it. We could reject it. We could say, well, you know what? That was the gospel. Maybe it's just not for us. It's a different dispensation. We're good. I don't have to deal with that. And some people do that. Some people misunderstand it. And when they study it, they, they take things out of it and, and use it for what it doesn't mean. We don't want to do that either. The goal as we study God's word is to hear what Jesus is saying. What is he saying to the people on the mountain? What does that mean for us? And to understand it and then to live it out. But it does have to, it, 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 it begs the question, so, so is a Christian, if, if, so is Jesus saying, if someone smacks me, I'm just to let them smack me again. Is a Christian just supposed to be a sanctimonious doormat? Does every beggar, because it says if someone begs, give to him. As I'm driving down the road, every beggar sign. Stop, turn around, beggar sign. Jesus says I have to give to every beggar. Is that what it's saying here? Does your nephew, who keeps wanting to borrow money from you, and he'll never pay you back because he just wants more video games. Every time he asks, are you supposed to just do it? Does it mean that we're supposed to be pacifists? Because the verse here, the, the second verse says, do not resist. The one who is evil. So don't police officers, they re, they're supposed to resist the one who is evil. They're supposed to stop evil. And judges, they, they're, they're supposed to stop evil. And a righteous military, right? They're supposed to, so are we supposed to be pacifists and not to do any of those things and to not be a part of those things? Is that what the Bible's saying? And I think this morning as we study, I'm a little worried because I'm going to, as I teach, Think some may go, all right, good, pastor said it doesn't mean that, Woo! and that's all you'll get from it. Instead of seeing the heart of the matter and how Jesus calls us to live and how Jesus calls us to love. So my desire this morning is as Jesus teaches that we will understand it and apply it to our lives. I'm going to pray and let's dive in. Lord, we sure need you. Lord God, I pray that you would... Um, Just open up our hearts to your truth. May, Lord, I clearly share your word this morning. Lord God, may you move in our hearts. May we see your truth and honor you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So what is happening in this passage? Again, this is now the fifth time that Jesus said, you've heard it said. You have heard the religious people, they teach this. This is in the Old Testament, but they don't understand it correctly. And again, Jesus does not come to abolish the law. When he says, you've heard it said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth, Jesus is not going, I abolish that. We have something else. He's saying, you've heard eye for eye and tooth for tooth, but you do not understand what was being taught then, and you're misusing it now. And that's what he's doing. 
See, <clears throat> people then are, are, were, were the same as they were then. We, we have the same actions, the same flesh. So I wore this shirt, all right? It's, it's my Rage Monster shirt. So uh, my son loves this uh, YouTube channel called Dude Perfect. Now, Dude Perfect is five Christian guys. Okay, who's heard of Dude Perfect? Raise your hand. Who has no clue what I'm talking about? All right. I explained this this morning and to the eight o'clock. I'm like, did I have to explain what YouTube is? And uh, do I have subscribers? Do I have to do that? So I, hope I don't have to do this here. All right. 1030. YouTube, all right, there's channels. You can subscribe to the channel. Dude Perfect has over 58 million people subscribed to their channel. They're one of the largest YouTube channels. So you want to go home and turn on Dude Perfect? It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, But there are five Christian guys who started out years ago. They did a trick shot video. It went viral. It exploded. Now they've continued to put out videos, and, and they do, I mean, they do all kinds of crazy stuff. But one of the things they do they do uh, videos that are called stereotypes, and they do fun mockery videos of like stereotypes of Thanksgiving. They just put one out, and they just mock all the things that we do at Thanksgiving and the overeating and the food coma and all, all the stuff. It's really, really funny. Uh, and they'll do like stereotypes of driving and stereotypes. So every one of these stereotypes video, a guy comes out. His name is Tyler. He's a part of the video, but at one point in the video, he turns into what they call the rage monster. He is being mistreated. He is being, you know, things are unfairly being done to him. He is not getting what he deserves. And then all of a sudden in the video, he will yell. It looks like a picture like this. He will yell, and then he'll go into something that is funny called the rage monster. And it's, it's, it's hilarious because he'll just go and, like, destroy the house because he gets, he gets so mad that he has to take out revenge. He has to take out his anger. He has to take out his vengeance on the things that have done to him. It's, it's really funny. I guess I like it because here's the thing. I have a rage monster inside of me. I think you do too. I think you can put on your church clothes and your church smile, and it's still in there. That rage monster that gets really mad when things don't go right. When you're treated unfairly, when you are dishonored, when you are mocked, the rage monster can come boiling up. That's why I love Dude Perk, because he's like, oh, it's just a video, it's fake, but I'd like to do that sometimes. We all have this rage monster inside of us. So did the Pharisees. And what the Pharisees did, they justified their fleshly acts by using the Bible. They used, they said, hey, you know what? Somebody did that to me, eye for eye, so I got them back. Somebody did that, tooth for tooth, baby. He did that, matter of fact, tooth for tooth is like the light end of things. So usually when I get revenge, I got to get more than what I got. And they were using the Bible to say, vengeance is mine, says me. Because the Bible says so. And Jesus goes, no, no. You're sinning and you're abusing the truth of the word of God. And Jesus says, I want to show you what real kingdom-minded people live like, how they act, what they do. And so what Jesus does, he says, you've heard it said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. So I want to show you in the Old Testament, this is spoke of many times. 
It spoke of in Exodus 21. It spoke of in Deuteronomy 19, Leviticus 24, where it says, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, whatever injury he has given a person, shall he be given. Or Deuteronomy 19, your eye shall not pity. It shall be life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. So what is happening here? These laws are given. They are judicial laws for the Israelites. When we read this in the Old Testament, you'll find like Exodus 21, it is giving a list of how the courts are supposed to respond when something happens. So there's capital crimes and personal energies and and, uh, intentional crimes and unintentional crimes, all of these things. Here we have the Mosaic law that is for the Israelites. It is saying when this happens, this is how the judicial service, this is how judges are supposed to respond. So what this did, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, it did some very important things. One, it required the punishment exactly match the crime. Now you may be here like, well, yeah. Isn't that always what it's supposed to be? Like in our country, all new laws, they, you know, the punishment is exactly to the crime. You know, that doesn't happen. What God was doing says, hey, remember like Alice in Wonderland and the queen, somebody would give her like coffee that was cold and she'd say what? Off with your head! Because of your crime, you die! And here, you know, we laugh, you know, the cartoon, but what it is doing, that happened all the time. And God said, listen, the punishment for what has happened needs to fit the crime. And what that would do, that that would help crime in their culture. Because people are like, okay, if I do that, there's a punishment to that. So I'm not going to commit that crime because of that punishment. Now, there's great debate whether every time an arm or a leg, that person would respond in that way. Sometimes in the Bible, you would even see, as it is in our culture, there would be a money paid out to to be corresponding to that. But here we see the maximum punishment was this eye for eye, this tooth for tooth. It would stop excessive punishment. It would would help them go, okay, we're going to curtail, we're going to, these wrongdoings, we're going to hopefully stop people from doing that. And then what it did is individuals were not permitted to take out their revenge, their personal revenge on people. That was not allowed. One said what God gave it is a restriction on civil court. Jewish tradition has turned into a person's license for revenge. This was the tit for tat, right? Like what you did, I get to get you back now. And Jesus saying, hey, if you're a true follower of me and you're walking around going, I'm going to get what's right. I'm going to get my due. You better give me what you owe me. This stuff is mine, not yours. You are missing the heart of what a true believer is. So here Jesus says some very challenging things. He points to the Pharisees and says, you are using judicial laws to execute personal vengeance, and that is sinful. And if we have personal vengeance in our heart, right, we we have sin resting here, 
God said that's not kingdom-minded. We need to be different. So what does it mean? So first I'd like to tell you what I believe it doesn't mean because there's a lot of, you, you can run down a wrong rabbit trail, you can misinterpret that. So this radical Christianity does not mean, when you read verse 38, do not resist the one who is evil. It does not mean that we no longer, we go, well, we will never push back against what is wrong. Meaning police, military, judges, we will have nothing to do with that because I as a Christian can never push back against what is wrong. I can't push back against evil. Well, as we study the rest of the Bible, it is very loud and clear. That's not how God's called us to act, right? As parents, when our child disobeys us, the Bible is clear. We are to raise up our child, right, in the, the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We don't look at our child when they're being sinful and go, oh, have a good time. Sorry, buddy. That's not the parent we're called to be. In church, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 5, when there's sin in the church, right, another believer is sinning, we just don't go, well, we're just going to let everything go. We, no, the Bible says we go to our brother, we love them enough to say, hey, I love you. I see the road you're running down. It's going to destroy you. Come back. We, we just don't throw up our hands and say, we love you and we're not going to point it out. That's not what the Bible says. That's why Matthew 18 says, if you have aught with your brother, they've done something to him, go to him. Gain a brother. We're called to do these things. It does not do away with that. And then in Romans 13, it talks about government and that God is the creator of government. Romans 13.1 says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Verse 4 says, for he, the governing authority, is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. Why? For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. The New Testament is clear. Judicial laws are important. Consequences for doing things are important. They help our culture. We, we pray as right, Americans, man, will we stay, would our country stay close to God's word and truth? Because as we veer away, it's going to bring great disaster, right? And we want people to, okay, God's truth. And when there is wrong to have righteous punishment, that is a good thing. So to report a crime, it's not saying don't do that. It's not saying if, if, if your husband is abusing you, you just keep giving him the other side of your face. No. Please hear me. No. Right? We, we are to call the police. We are to use that judicial system. That is important. We're not to hide things from that. Right? To report a crime is an act of righteousness. That's a good thing. But then... We need to understand that we need to be careful that we don't turn this passage into what the Pharisees do, where it became just these pharisaical laws that we jump through the hoops. And we don't understand what Jesus is saying. Right? One said we must never read the Sermon on the Mount as a code of ethics or a set of rules to cover our conduct in detail. We must not think of it being a new kind of law to replace the old Mosaic law. 
It is a matter of emphasizing the spirit of the law, which is to love the Lord God with all our heart and to love our neighbor. Galatians 5.13 says it very clearly. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So this radical Christian living, this kingdom-minded, what is it then? Jesus is saying that if you follow me, that anger and that rage that can pop up inside of you, don't let it spill out in retaliation and personal vengeance. Romans 5 tells us how to live it very clearly. It says, repay no one evil for evil. But I like this. Do you? I get times where like, no, I want, because this was done wrong to me, I should be able to do wrong back to them. That is the fleshly side. And Jesus says, I call you to something crazy. I call you to something to live completely different than we would live without Christ. And what I love about the Sermon on the Mount, when you hear it and study it, I hope sometimes you read it and go, well, I, I can't do that. Correct. We don't have the strength to do it by ourselves. That's why this passage, right? This is not a pastor up here going, hey, everybody in here, do this. That's not what I'm saying. I'm preaching, hey, everybody in here who knows the Lord God as Savior. That we don't do good works to be saved. We do good works because we have a Savior who leads us to good works. And by his strength, we're able to do this. And maybe you're in here and you don't know Christ. Can I tell you, we as Christians, man, we failed so much. But we are called to love first. We are called to care and to be kind. And, and that's telling you truth too. We don't hide from the truth. But this is the life that we as Christians are called to live. So as Romans says, don't repay no one evil for evil. Verse 20, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Here in this passage, God says, vengeance is mine, not yours. And so as Christians, as we read this passage, what you're going to come across is, you mean as a Christian, I'm going to be mistreated? Yes. I'm going to be ridiculed. Yes. You you mean as a Christian, I have to leave myself vulnerable? Yes. Let me explain because Jesus gives illustrations to really explain this. He says, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Specifically in the Bible, it says your right cheek. Why does does that just say slaps you in the face? Because I believe it has a purpose. It says your right cheek. We've already read in the Sermon on the Mount earlier, it says, if sin is destroying you, if it's your right eye, which is your dominant eye, pluck it out. If it's your right arm, which is your strong arm, cut it off. Here he's saying, if someone hits you, smacks you in your right cheek, well, if I'm right-handed and I'm going to smack you in your right cheek, what's that look like? It's this. It's when someone backhands you. Oh, it's worse than I thought. It's when someone dishonors you. 
to the Jews, honor was very important. So Jesus is saying, hey, someone dishonors you. Someone takes away your dignity. What do you do? Well, the Pharisees say, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. You take my dignity, I'm taking yours. And Jesus said, self-personal retaliation isn't who we are. We live differently. And so this is what Jesus says, turn the other cheek that... When we're struck on the face, that our first thought is not to avenge or to retaliate, but we have this kind, humble spirit. You know, when someone cuts you off on the road, instead of running them down and running them off the road and sticking your hand out the window to wave, When you go, you, you, you've treated me unfairly. Instead of that, if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus says, it's okay. It's okay. Still love and care. Even when someone dishonors you. And we can use this in the little things, right? In our relationships at home. Well, they didn't pick up last night, so I'm going to make sure that I'm not going to pick I'm actually going to mess things up even more today. They've been late every day this week. I'm going to be a purpose to be lateful today. What is that? Vengeance. To retaliate. To, to, to return. That when we're insulted, we give it back. And Christ says, no, it's different. My wife, two days ago, went to the wonderful store of Walmart. And this, this time it's, you know, super busy and she was getting stuff. And she's like, I just had a random assortment of stuff. And it was like, it wasn't like, you know, a grocery run. It was just the things I needed to pick up. And uh, there isn't a Walmart near us. There's one out in Rochester. So it was just, you know, picking up some random things. And she got into the line. And there's actually a couple from the church that were in, in front of her. And so she said, we just got to talk for like 12 minutes because the line was forever long. And she said she got up to the cashier and the cashier, she said about 65 years old, looked up at her and said, well, what are you buying today? You know, you know leave, leave me alone. I just, what are you buying? She's like, well, I just, just a kind of weird assortment of stuff. And I got some stuff for Thanksgiving. You know, my, my father-in-law is sick. And so I may, I, I may need to help more with Thanksgiving. So I'm just getting ready to get that stuff together. And the lady looked at her and said, I'm so sorry. Let's pray together. And my wife didn't have her I follow Jesus shirt on either, right? But the cashier looked at her and said, hey, what, what do you think about praying? And they grabbed hands and they began to pray together. Can I tell you? I don't think everybody that cashier asked to pray is going to be that nice or to be that thankful or to say, I'd rather spit in your face than pray with you. But that cashier just amazing, like doesn't care. It's okay if you take my dignity away. I, I want to pray with you more than my dignity. I'm going to love you more than me being honored. I want to care for you. And that's what she did. Man, it's so wonderful. And can I tell you, it's, 
Just, just this morning, it's been great. After the 8 o'clock gathering, we had people praying back over here. Like, it wasn't a sign. People just stopped and started praying with each other. Before the gathering, I had one of the guys in the band come up to me and said, Hey, how's your dad doing? And so we talked to her. He said, Let's pray now. I don't want to forget. And we stopped right there and began to pray together. Man, if we become Christians who are like, Let's pray together now. Well, it could be awkward. Somebody could think that's a, Who cares? Let's go to the Lord. It's more important. And hear Jesus, right? He's talking about someone who comes at you, who, who attacks you. He says, it's okay. Love them so that they may see Christ and be changed. Next example, Jesus said, he says, hey, if somebody sues you for your tunic, happens all the time. It's your shirt, right? He sues you for your shirt. If somebody sues you, you know what you need to do? You, you can give them your robe too. Now I can see when Jesus is saying this, there had to be much objection in the crowd. Why? Because I could see somebody going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Nope. Cheek, okay. Listen, Old Testament, the law says, and this is the law, that someone could not sue you for your robe. Your robe was your outer coat. It was your blanket that you slept with. It was Most people just had one of them. And the law said, you cannot take that from them. You have to return that to him. So somebody could say, hold on. Nope. My right is my coat. And Jesus says, give up your right to love people and to follow me. That's what he calls us to do. So now let's get uncomfortable. Because I feel that there are so many Christians who stand more for their rights than they do for loving God and loving people. That they stand more for, you're not taking away my right. And I know somebody out there going, fine, Pastor, we'll just give away all our freedom, whatever, fine. I'm not up here saying, man, I'm so thankful for the freedoms that we have, right? And to, and to stand, and we, we have the ability to stand for those things. But if your freedoms and your rights have moved in front of loving people and caring for them, then you have moved them into being your God instead of Jesus being your God. When our rights, and what, what hot button, not you and me, hot, the gun one, okay? Like, I can push a bunch of, bunch of buttons, right? Which one? That you say, well, I'm not giving that one up. If God calls you to give up a right to love someone, then we need to be willing to lay down that right. And that's the radical Christianity Jesus is talking about. That's what he's calling us to. He then says, if somebody asks you to go to mile... Now, what is he speaking of? He's speaking of the Romans who had control and, and a Roman soldier could come next to a Jewish man and said, hey, you see all my armor on my stuff? You're carrying it. Law says you have to carry it for a mile. Let's go. And you can throw all your stuff to him and you've got to carry it. Many people say that's why the man had to carry Jesus' cross because he was made to, Right? So Jesus says, hey, if somebody says carry it, do the least amount that you can do in the grumpiest, angriest way. 
That's not what he says. He says, if somebody asks you to go a mile, carry it another mile. Why? For Jesus. If somebody asks you to do this, Right? Everything we do, due to the glory of God, and you can carry it. You don't have to do the least amount asked. You don't have to do it with a sad face. You can do it with joy. Why? Because if we know Jesus, no matter what the circumstance, we have the joy of the Lord. And then he goes to our things. He says, give to the one who begs from you. Do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Now, again, be careful you don't make this mechanical in that where you have someone in your family who is a heroin addict and they keep coming and asking you for money, but you know that money is just going to buy drugs. We're freed from the law to do what? Love people. So in loving him, you have to say no. You have to be careful not to give mechanical. Well, I see the sign I'm going to have to give. No. Love people well. And loving people well calls us to sacrifice. It calls us to not be selfish. We can, it's all mine. Don't touch my stuff. Or is it, it's yours, Lord. How can you use my stuff? It's yours. Jesus here calls us to this radical Christian living. Where it is not about our honor. It's not about our right. It's not about our stuff. It is about him. It is about him. And you may be sitting there going, well, that's unfair. I I worked hard for this stuff. People, they're free riders. They're they're just going to take it. And and this guy, if if I give to this poor person, he may not use it right. Who cares? And you say, it's, 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 not, it's, it's not fair. So Jesus is saying this. Right? Matthew 16, 24 says as a Christian how we're called to live. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. You know what happened when Jesus spoke these things? Many people never came back. They didn't come back. But Jesus is saying, if you truly follow me, this is what it looks like. One said that we no longer consider it our duty to get even. Eye for eye is fine for court, but not for retaliation to others. We thank Jesus that that we get to let go of our legalistic obsession with fairness. That's why if you listen to that news channel for seven hours a day that keeps crying out, you're not getting what's right, you're not getting what's right, you're not getting what's right, it's going to be really hard to live out a life that says, no, I'm good with giving up my right. Here Jesus is calling us to die to self and to live a life That he lived. It's not fair. As a Christian, I don't want it to be fair. I don't want it to be fair. Why? Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6 that Jesus, who was rich, became poor. 
Jesus, who was rich, came to earth to be poor. Jesus, who is righteous, no sin. What's the Bible say? He came to earth to become sin for us, to be sin for us, to take our sin upon him so that what? This unrighteous could have the righteousness of God placed on me. Not because of who I am. Not because of the good things I do, but because of Jesus going, I know it's unfair and I'm going to lay my life down for you that you may have life. And that's why I go over and over back to this message is for those who know Christ. Because if you know Christ, you're so thankful that he laid down his life. You're so thankful that it's not fair because you know that your sins, that the wages of sin is death. But Jesus took that death for us. 1 Peter 2.20 says it so clearly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because also because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you may follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judged justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Here Jesus points to radical living. Not about my rights, my stuff, my honor, but by his. And that's what we're called to be, church. So in the beginning, I talked about being a rage monster, and I said, some of you may listen and go, well, good, it doesn't mean this or it doesn't mean this. But it's more difficult than we realize. It's living a life dying to that rage monster, to that flesh inside, and seeking to live for him. Will you stand with me, please? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. Oh God, I pray for the one in here that may not know you as Savior, Lord. May they have clearly heard your gospel this morning and know the life that is offered through you on the cross. I pray there'd be ones this morning to make that decision to follow you as Savior, to accept the forgiveness of sin and accept you as Lord of their life. Lord, I pray for us who know you. Oh God, this week, may I love you well and love people well. Lord God, I pray that you would bless and we pray this in Jesus' name.